Well, we're going to look to the word of the Lord and we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to use this as an anchor text for, we're going to teach a, 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 a few different lessons here uh, on the, over the next little while. And I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is going to be our anchor text for this series that we're going to be delving into but I want us to understand I want us to understand as best we can the Holy Spirit and what it is that that God has given us when he has given us his spirit first Corinthians chapter 2 beginning with verse 9 as it is written I hath not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him but God hath I want you to to notice this with me and, and pay, if you will, close attention to what the word of the Lord is saying about the Spirit of God. But God hath revealed them. Okay, I hath not seen them. I, I as in, as in this optic nerve uh, uh, sphere that's in my face, has not seen them. And I personally. We have not seen all that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so... The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Amen. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. Could you lift your uh, voices with me and thank him for his word tonight? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that we are able to receive, that we are able to be empowered by. Help us to know you in a greater way in a deeper way. Help us to walk with you and in you and abide in you. And we give you praise for this and all glory in Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church said amen and amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord. So notice with me what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is, is referring to here. This is explaining to us that uh, no man is able to look upon another man uh, and know what is inside of that person. The only cognizant uh, reality there is that spirit that is in that man. So I've had the situation occur before where uh, maybe we'll see a picture, uh, a random picture, and you might have an expression on your face. I know uh, I've seen an expression on my face in pictures, and my wife will say, now what were you, what were you thinking there? What was that expression? And I'd have to go back and put myself back in the moment and say, oh, yes, I remember what I was thinking. I was thinking this and thus. And, uh, and then it made sense of my expression. But without the context, my expression didn't make sense. 
And so what the Lord is saying concerning the spirit of man knowing the things that are in the mind of man, it's what it's saying. That, that, that it is only that which is inside that man that is able to ascertain and understand what is going on inside the mind of the man. And the same is true concerning the spirit of God. The only one who knows what's going on in the mind of God is the spirit of God. So when the Bible says the spirit searcheth all things, it's referring to the fact that the Holy Spirit of God searches even the deep things of God and then comes to us and reveals to us what's going on in the mind of God. Now that's a powerful concept because it is often the case where we feel maybe disadvantaged or maybe we feel like we don't really have a real grip or grasp of certain knowledge that we need because maybe we don't feel like we understand the mind of God and there's a perfectly good reason why we don't understand the mind of God and we're gonna look at it here in the book of Isaiah Isaiah chapter 55 if we could look at verse number 6 of Isaiah 55 Isaiah 55 and verse Number six, it says this, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he, God, will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So I want you to notice this about God. We know God is holy. We know God is righteous, and yet God is saying that if the wicked will forsake his way and if the unrighteous man will forsake his unrighteous thoughts and return unto the Lord, then God will have mercy on him and God will abundantly pardon him. Now, folks, that's more of a miracle than what we give it credit for. We're so used to the mercy of God that we just expect his mercy. But his mercy is a gift. It's, it's not a gift. It's not just a given that God will have mercy. God has mercy because he is so good, because he is so kind. That's why he has mercy. He really, if, if you're just letting eye be for an eye and tooth being for a tooth, he really has no obligation to be merciful whatsoever. And yet, because he's so kind and loving, he, if the wicked will forsake his wickedness, if the unrighteous will forsake their unrighteousness, God will abundantly pardon and have mercy and then this is the verse that helps us understand why God is why it's hard to sometimes understand what God is thinking verse number eight for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts this is something very important for us to understand about God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So if you've ever uh, encountered a saint of God uh, that's been living for the Lord for a little while, you might hear them say something like, I, want the I just want the will of the Lord to be done. Anybody ever heard a saint of God say that? I just want the will of the Lord to be done. Like they have a certain way they want something to turn out. But they're mature enough in Christ to add to that 
but you know what? Really, I just want the will of God to be done. You want to know why? Because they've, they've learned through trial and error, they've learned that their way isn't always the best way. And they've learned that God's way is always the best way. And that even when they don't understand it, it's still the best way. We, even when it doesn't make sense to them, it's still the way to go. His ways are higher. What does that mean? They're superior than our ways. What else does it mean? It means that they are spiritual while ours, our thoughts and ways, are earthbound. Not only that, but his ways and his thoughts being higher than ours means that they have the high ground or they have the aerial view. The aerial view gives you a much better perspective of anything than if you were to simply stand upon the surface of wherever you are and look out across the horizon and make a judgment of what is and what isn't, you have a very limited perspective. But God's perspective is higher than yours and he has an aerial perspective. Thank God, thank God that we uh, uh, do not give up in the middle of our I'll say corn maze. If you've ever been in a corn maze and you've got the corn stalks, anybody ever walked through life and felt like you couldn't see the forest for the trees because your perspective is limited? Well, God sees the forest and he sees the trees and he knows where you are and he knows the way that you take and he understands that you shouldn't give up. He understands that you're too close to winning to turn around now. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. There are many people who have walked by faith and not by sight, meaning they didn't have that aerial perspective. They didn't have that superior view of things, but they knew that God was on their side. And they walked by blind trust in God, and God brought them to where they needed to be. And that's a beautiful beautiful thing but oh if we can know the mind of God and God wants us to know his mind he doesn't want us to be oblivious to his ways and to his thoughts he wants to reveal them to us God wants to reveal his thoughts to you so that while you're walking this walk you have not just faith we walk by faith of course but, but we're going to get into this. But not only do you walk by faith, you walk with understanding. And you walk with wisdom. And you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. So what does that mean? That's something Paul said to the church at Ephesus. To walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walking circumspectly, circum meaning circular, there's a circularity to our walk, being able to see everything around us. But you're not doing it as a fool where you're just going in circles and you have no focus and you're aimless and you're afraid of every little noise that you hear and every little uh, distraction that catches your eye. That would be walking circumspectly as a fool. But he said to walk circumspectly as someone who is wise, meaning that you are aware of everything happening around you and you maintain your focus. 
Nothing is lost on you. You know what's coming from behind. You know what's over here. You know what's to the right. You know what's down here. You know what's up there. That is because God, through his spirit, has revealed his view of things to you. You and I can walk authoritatively in the spirit. Let me tell you what else he said to the church at Galatia. He said, if you'll walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's the, that's the key to not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. And you should not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The apostle Peter said it this way. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. They war against your soul. War is a big three-letter word. People die in that kind of thing. People are wounded and forever maimed and injured. There, there's a lot of terrible things that happen in war. And the fleshly lusts that we just fall into over and over and over again, they war against the invisible part of us that lives forever, the soul. So abstain from fleshly lusts. How do you do that? By walking in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit involves His Spirit revealing His thoughts to you. Revealing His words and His ways to you and I. So that's, that's really the, the beautiful thing. Now, uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost is the same thing. Just sometimes the Bible calls him the Holy Spirit and sometimes calls him the Holy Ghost. But these are not two different things. And uh, the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, is not a separate person from God. Okay, there, there are those who have been taught that there are three distinct persons in the Godhead and that this, these three distinct persons are co-eternal, co-existent, and that is not true. Uh, there is one God... And, there is, and, and as one God, he is one person. Uh, but he is a spirit and he is holy. And, and when he came to this earth, he came to this earth as the man Christ Jesus. But he's one God and he's one person. And that man Christ Jesus is the express image of that person who is God. So our first introduction in the Bible to the Spirit of God and the reference to the Spirit of God is in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form, and the earth was void, and there was darkness upon the face of the deep. Anybody ever feel like that's a nice description of how you feel on some Mondays? without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That was the beginning, that was the beginning of the details being implemented into the created heaven and earth. The Spirit began to move. That's why you hear us constantly saying, Lord, let the Spirit move. Let the Spirit move. That's why we got really excited when we saw people coming from all over the world to a little uh, seminary in Kentucky just simply saying, Lord, let your Spirit move. And, and 
We want, we want, we'll take it anytime we can let the Holy Ghost begin to move. Why? Because flowers begin to blossom and suns begin to shine and stars begin to twinkle and birds begin to sing and life begins to spring forth and death is defeated and there's power and there's glory and there's a hope and there's faith and there's love and there's life when the Spirit begins to move. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the next thing that happened was God said, let there be light. And a miracle happened. There was light. Now, when, when, when the Word goes forth, that's what it's going to do. It's going to bring illumination. It's going to bring light or it's going to bring enlightenment. And we're going to get into the fact that when the Bible talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, so much of what the Holy Spirit does has to do with revelation and enlightenment. Praise God. And so when the Spirit began to move, it was very, there's a reason why God first said, let there be light. There's a reason why it doesn't say, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be fish and fowl. Because before there can be fish and fowl, there has to be light. And before there can be, before there can be plants and, and, and trees, there has to be light. Before there can be any other thing that God does, there has to be an enlightenment. And that can only come by way of the Spirit, which prepares your heart. And in the case of Genesis 1, prepares the earth for the Word. So the Word is going to give all of that enlightenment and it is the spirit that makes the way so these were not two different things that were happening it wasn't that some some vagueness and and some kind of a strange little uh, elusiveness moved upon the face of the waters and then God said let there be light this was this this is happening at the same time uh, if you could just do this little exercise with me just put your hand in front of your in front of your mouth and say Say it, let there be light. Say it like, like I did. Put a little punch in it. Let there be light. If you'll notice that you felt the pressure of your breath upon your hand, because every word that is spoken has breath in it. And spirit is pneuma, and pneuma refers to breath. It's where we get our, our word for pneumonia or pneumatic. And, and when God said, let there be light, the word was comprised of both structure and spirit. And so there, the, the, the consonants, if you please, provide the structure of that word. But in every word that is spoken, the spirit wraps itself around that word as it goes forth. And so with, with every time the word of God begins to go forth, the spirit is in the word that is spoken. This is why there have been times where you'll hear a preacher preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of the word of God, and something will hit you and it will, it will feed your soul. Hallelujah. It will feed your soul. And the preacher might not even know that they said what you heard. But, but it will feed your soul. Why? Because the Spirit is in the Word that is being spoken. And that Spirit begins to move upon the face of the waters. And the light begins to shine forth. And there's enlightenment and there is revelation that comes. What is that enlightenment? It is the thought of God being revealed. It is the mind of God being revealed. 
And what a blessing that is to the child of God to know what is the mind of God. This is the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal. And he will reveal to you what is the mind of Almighty God. And you have to know this, ladies and gentlemen, that ever since the fall of mankind, we have been separated from the mind of God. His mind does not make sense to us after the fall. This is why when God came down into the garden after the sin of Adam and Eve, Adam ran. He hid himself and God called to him. And Adam didn't even want to come out. And when God said, why are you hiding? This is what he said. I heard your voice and was afraid. First time we ever encounter the concept of fear. What changed? Not God. God is God and God will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It was man who changed. What changed man? Sin changed man. Sin has so compromised our mind. Sin has so compromised our thoughts that God who created us, we can't even understand him. So he is, he in our flesh, in our carnal mind, he makes no sense whatsoever. This is why we are patient with people who do not know him. And we are patient with people who do not believe in him because they cannot know him. He is spiritually discerned. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal him to the people that he created. Hallelujah. And so throughout the scriptures, from that moment on, man had a hard time hearing God, understanding God, believing in God, thinking about God, knowing God's voice. But those who did, those are the ones you read about. This isn't just some ancient book about ancient people who lived in ancient times. This is about people who heard his voice and knew his thoughts because it was revealed to them by the Holy Ghost. So you, hear, you have Abraham. Abraham, go leave thy father's house, leave thy father's kindred unto the land that I will show you. Noah, Prepare an ark, build an ark. Here are the cubit inches of it. Here's, the, here's all the dimensions of it. And, and on and on it goes. Moses, I am that I am. Joseph, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have called you. I have a purpose for you. All throughout the scriptures, the people of this Old Testament, the writers of these books are people who knew his thoughts because they were revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. Let me... Let me help you to see in the scriptures the validity of that second peter chapter one and we're going to read let's read verse 20 of second peter uh, chapter one knowing this first no no word goes uh as unimportant in this bible i love that knowing let's stop right there that's vitally important knowing not assuming not presuming, not just thinking, not opining, knowing this first before anything else. I know this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, this wasn't cooked up in somebody's preference lab. 
This isn't somebody's opinion. This isn't somebody's speculation. This is of no private interpretation. This doesn't belong to any one little group. This is the word of God. Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. This was not some man making this stuff up. It didn't come by the will of man. That's why in the Old Testament, you have uh, a couple thousand years plus of people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all trades, all different uh, cultures and, and various ways of thinking, but hearing the same voice and describing the same God, hearing the same truth, telling the same prophecy, foretelling the same events that are on their way, whether they're a shepherd or a sycamore tree dresser or whatever they are, they hear from God. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God, holy men of God, holy men of God. The holiness that was on these men is the same holiness that is in his spirit. And these holy men were holy because they were what holiness is, separate and pure. This is why we come out from among the world and are separate, saith the Lord, because we must be holy in his presence. Hallelujah. Holy men of old, holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So in the Old Testament, uh, when the writers would write, when the prophets would prophesy, it was the Holy Ghost that would move on them. So when the Bible says that the word of the Lord came unto Isaiah, and the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, and the word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel, it was the Spirit of God moving upon Ezekiel, moving upon Jeremiah, moving upon Isaiah. When Samson grabbed that jawbone of a donkey and slew the enemies that were trying to destroy the people of God, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. These were holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And, and, and again, notice, notice that the interaction of the Spirit and that the influence of the Spirit has to do with what they knew, what they understood, what they were being, what was being revealed to them. Tonight we're talking about the Holy Spirit as the revealer. The Holy Spirit is, is given by God to reveal to us the mind of God. How many have ever been afraid before? Anybody ever been afraid before? I'd like to see a show of hands. Just, you know... Anybody ever been afraid of something anywhere? Just, you know, take a, a shot in the dark here and think maybe there might be somebody that has been afraid before. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. This is God speaking. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know what we're saying when we say, you say something, maybe somebody here might say, I'm, I'm very afraid of this or I'm very afraid of that. And we say, you need to go pray about that. You know what we're telling you? You need to get shut in with God and let him show his thoughts to you. 
Because he's thinking about you and he's thinking about your circumstances and he's thinking peace and he's thinking holiness and love and hope and joy and faith. And if you're not learning his thoughts that he thinks toward you, you will, you will begin to imagine a vain thing. The Bible says, why do the heathen rage? Our world is full of raging heathens. Why do the heathen rage? And why do the people imagine a vain thing? I'll tell you why. Because they're not letting the Holy Spirit move. They're not letting the Holy Ghost move. Because when the Holy Ghost begins to move, light comes. And the light that comes is the light being shed upon the thoughts of God toward us. He has thoughts about us. And we don't ever know what they are. We let professors tell us about him. We let lecturers tell us about him. We let TV and Hollywood entertainment industry hatched out of hell tell us about him. We let some, some documentary oppositions of science, falsely so-called, tell us about him. You need to get a hold of your creator. That's who he is. He's your creator. That's who he is. And you need to let him tell you about who he is. And stop listening to the experts tell you about who he is. And let the experts tell you that he doesn't exist. I, listen, I, I know he exists. I know he exists. Because I've interacted with him. So whether you don't think he exists or whether you do think he exists, that's on you. I've interacted with him. He has spoken to me. And what he said came to pass. And what he spoke into my heart aligns with this word. So, so I, I don't I don't have to I don't have to I don't have to verify stuff. Because I'm I'm in a, I'm in a, a, in a literal communion with him. And I'm talking to him and he's talking to me and he's revealing his thoughts toward me. And this is, and this is why, this is why I, I can, I can actually have victory in life because I'm not, I'm not out here questioning anymore. I just, I know this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And when I go to this book, you've heard me say it before. I thank God for the prophecies that have come to pass. I thank God for the miracles that I've seen, but I don't see, I don't need to see another miracle and I don't need to see another prophecy for me to believe in God. The principles of this book, the principles of this book are steadfast and they are unmovable and they work every single time. Hallelujah. And when I'm in this body that is fallen, this body that is corruptible, this body that is mortal, this body that the, the nerves of it and the, the, the circuitry of it wars against that faith. And I feel tired and I, I feel a little, uh, sometimes a little uh, peaked and I feel like maybe uh, fatigued. I'll just get alone with God, commune with his spirit, 
And his spirit will begin to remind, here it is, remind me of what God is thinking. Ah, somebody here needs a reminder about the mind of God. That's what the apostle was saying when he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know how that mind gets in you? Through the spirit. The spirit of the Lord begins to get inside of us. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit is inside of us. He begins to share with us the thoughts of God. Now, let me bring to you again the verification of the scriptures concerning this. John chapter 14. John chapter uh, 14 uh, and verse number 26. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And this right here is really important. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Hallelujah. They forgot he talked about being resurrected from the dead. They forgot. He told them that, that, that destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. And he's talking about his body. And he told them, he said, they're going to betray me, but don't worry, I'm going to come back from it all. Everything's going to be okay. And then when he dies and is buried, they're losing their minds. Oh, my word. He's gone forever. But he had told them that he was going to be resurrected from the dead. We forget so much of what God has given us, told us, spoken to us, and it requires time alone in his presence with his word in prayer, hallelujah, for the spirit to begin to reveal his thoughts to us again. I like to go over some of my old notes uh, I'll go over old notebooks and just read through them. And I'm reading stuff I didn't, that I wrote down and didn't even know I knew. I'm thinking, man, I didn't even know I knew this. That's pretty good information. <laughs> because it wasn't my thoughts. It was revealed by the Spirit. And I have to go back because my natural brain and this natural body will forget stuff, it'll get worried about stuff, it'll, it'll get irritable with people, it'll start, to, it'll start to give in and succumb to the pressures of this world. And I've got to get in touch with the Holy Ghost that is in me. Paul said it this way to, to young Timothy. He said, stir up the gift that is in you. Stir up the gift that is in you. You've got the Holy Ghost, stir it up. What do you, that's what we're doing when we, when we worship God together. We're stirring things up. That's what we're doing when we're clapping our hands. Hallelujah. We're stirring it up. That's what we're doing when we're singing for joy. Jesus, be the center of it all. Because we, we get so off kilter and off center in life. Jesus, be the center of my life. I'm stirring it up. I'm stirring it up. I'm getting things back where they need to be. Hallelujah. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Comforter is here, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to reveal to you everything that I have ever said to you. That's what it is. Again, again, it has to do with what you know. That's what the Holy Ghost is dealing with. It's, it's helping you know. God said that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
The Holy Spirit is here to help you have the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 11. Because here we're going to talk about uh, what, what the book of Revelation refers to as the seven spirits of God. And when we talk about the seven spirits of God, we're not talking about seven different entities, seven different persons. There's one God, but there are seven, again, spirit meaning breath or pneuma. And so uh, th these are seven breaths of God. These, this is a sevenfold expression of the one God. When he breathes, these are the seven things that begin to happen as he breathes. Isaiah 11 there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. That's a messianic. We would call that a messianic prophecy concerning the Messiah to come. It's about Jesus. And that stem out, of, that rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is referring to the lineage that brought forth Christ into the world. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Okay. That's the messianic prophecy. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now that's what happened when Jesus was baptized and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and, and, and it lighted upon him. Okay, that was the fulfillment, the symbolic fulfillment of what Isaiah was talking about. That was a confirmation to those that were there. That was not a separate person. That was a symbolic confirmation that this is the one of whom the prophets spake and that spirit of God is resting upon him and he is going to, and this is what it, it describes, the spirit of wisdom and understanding starts with the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And this sevenfold completion now that's why we that's this is actually where we get the concept of God's perfect number or God's favorite number being seven it has to do with the fact that when it starts with the spirit of the Lord and it concludes with the fear of the Lord and in between is added unto you wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and the spirit of knowledge that 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 is actually the completing power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in, in you. When God fills you with the Holy Spirit, he will then begin to add wisdom and counsel and knowledge and understanding and might and the fear of the Lord. Understanding and the fear of the Lord. And at that point, you are, you are in a place of God having worked perfect, perf perfect works in you. And so that's where perfect love comes from that casts out fear. That's where perfect peace comes from that you have when your mind is stayed on him. Again, you've got your flesh to contend with because this mortal has not yet been changed to immortality. But this is the completed work that God can do in us. Praise the Lord. This is why Solomon said at the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What is the whole duty of man? It is to fear God. And to keep his commandments. And let me tell you something. When you have the spirit of the Lord, which works wisdom, understanding, knowledge, might, counsel, and the fear of the Lord. When that's working inside of you, you will absolutely keep his commandments. 
You not keeping his commandments is merely a lack of wisdom. It's because you don't understand the value of keeping his commandments. So you break a little one here and you break a little one there and you wound people around you. And you hurt family members. And you damage your own soul because you're violating this and violating that and you're excusing it because other people do it. You're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding and counsel and might and yes the fear of the Lord which is to keep his commandments and the beautiful thing about the fear of the Lord is that when you fear God you don't fear anything else Woo. hallelujah glory to God notice what it does for the person this is what it does for Jesus okay this is this is a messianic prophecy about Jesus but let me tell you the beautiful thing about Jesus Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus is the seed, whoo, glory to God, that produces the tree of life. Jesus is the first one to, to do what, what he's going to give us all the power to do. So we're going to, that's what we mean when we say we're Christians and we follow Jesus. We become like him. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Why? For we shall see him as he is. And, and we will have full understanding. Praise God. So let's look at what this does for Jesus and in turn what it does for us. It shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. This is why you can tell a person's spiritual maturity by how they treat gossip. Man, oh man. You know, you know it's, you're in for a tough conversation with somebody when they say, now far be it from me. To, to talk about anybody else. And you know what's coming next. However, now, it's like the person gossiping about other people gossiping. You know, I just can't stand Sister So-and-so. She is the biggest gossip. Why, she just said last week, da 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 da, da. We don't reprove after the hearing of our ears. And we don't judge after the seeing of our eyes. We don't, we don't do that. We don't, we don't judge after the, after the seeing of our eyes. You know, we, you know what informs our judgment? The Spirit of the Lord. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, might, the fear of God. That's what informs how we judge anything. And he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And, and that doesn't mean, that doesn't give you a license to be judgmental. I'm going to say that again. There's a scripture. It's in, it's in 1 Corinthians. And it says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And a lot of people have hung their hat on that scripture to say, he wants me to be judgmental. No, no, you missed it. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. He that's carnal loves, oh my word, would love 
to be able to judge anybody and everybody all day long. But he that is spiritual actually has the ability to judge. God is, God is giving license to the person who's walking in the spirit. Yeah, we need judgment, but not carnal judgment. We need judgment that isn't after the seeing of our eyes. Reproof that's not after the hearing of our ears. And, and instead, we, verse 4, with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall smite the earth, notice, with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. We go back to breath. We go back to pneuma. We go back to the word. With the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. God operates in the power of the Spirit. Now, let me give you an example of how that works. There's this famous story in the, in the ministry of Jesus where a woman is caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her to the feet of Jesus. And they want him to, they want him to, to execute wrath upon her. And they tell him she's got to be stoned. Done. Done deal. She's got to be stoned. And there, there are a lot of, I'm not going to get into all the different complexities of this moment because you know you can we can talk about where was the man he was supposed to, according to the law he should have been brought to and there are several different things to go in here go into on this but I, I want to talk simply about the way Jesus handled it because we see an example of how he judges in this moment when the Bible refers to the seven spirits of God in the book of Revelation it calls them the seven eyes of the lamb and I'm going to tell you that the seven spirits of God are the seven eyes of the lamb and Jesus saw clearly through all seven of those eyes. He saw clearly through the lens of wisdom. He saw clearly through the lens of counsel. He saw clearly through the lens of understanding and knowledge. We, in our carnal nature, we see through a glass so darkly. Who are we to judge? We're just like looking through fog, glasses, lenses, scraping ice and and dust and debris trying to figure out what in the world's going on jesus has one eye on her broken past he has one eye on the fact that her heart wants to do right but is incapable of it he has an eye on the fact that she feels condemned already he has an eye on on all the complexities. He has an eye even on God wanting to save her soul. He has an eye on this whole, he understands the whole thing all at once. And he looks at her and he looks at them and says, you that have no sin, cast the first stone. In other words, you don't have the authority to judge her. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. And nobody in this group that's condemning her is spiritual enough to judge her. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. They all walk away from the eldest to the youngest. They all walk away. And Jesus says, being the only one qualified to cast a stone, he that hath no sin. And he says, where are thine accusers? She said, Lord, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Neither do I condemn thee. You know why he didn't condemn her? Because he saw the whole picture. He was walking circumspectly. The Spirit revealed the thoughts of God about this. But with this caveat, go and sin no more. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, oh, you're fine. Not a big deal. It's not what he was saying. 
He was releasing her from the condemnation and that act of mercy was going to inspire her to never go into that lifestyle again. That's the way the Spirit moves. That's the way the Spirit moves. You do know that every single one of us should be dead and in hell right now, right now, right now. All of us. All of us. And those of us who have received mercy, oh God, help us to show mercy. And if we'll do so with the circumspection of God, not as fools, not as fools. Being tolerant and dismissive of sinfulness, like there's nothing wrong with it, like it's fine, God's fine, you're, you're being old. No, that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about letting people have a genuine encounter with the mercy of God. And it will, it will lift them up and out of their sinful lifestyle. Hallelujah. There is something that gets a hold of us. There are, there are, there are reasons we don't want to sin against God. He's been too good to us. When our flesh starts acting up and, and starts being tempted by the things of this world, we get alone with God in prayer and we're reminded of his grace and we're reminded of his kindness. And we say, like Joseph said concerning Potiphar's wife, how can I do this great wickedness before my God? There were no tablets of stone in Joseph's day that said thou shalt not commit adultery. It wasn't, it wasn't a written law that kept him from committing that transgression. It it was his desire to please God that kept him from committing that transgression and the Spirit of the Lord hallelujah will move upon us and help us to know the mind and the thoughts and the providence of God and let me tell you his mind his thoughts his providence is so beautiful that when it's revealed to you you won't want anything you won't want anything else. This is one of the reasons why we are so patient and merciful with people who walk away from God. Let me give you an example, and I'm going to come to a close, but let me give you an example. The prodigal son, he leaves his father's house, and he takes that inheritance, and he lives riotously among the heathen. Everybody, not everybody, I'm sure not everybody maybe knows that story, but, but if you do, you, you may be familiar he goes out, lives riotously, joins himself to a citizen of another country who shows him around and he lives a debauched life. And who knows what all this prodigal son did, but it was horrible and he was living in the throes of degradation. And as he sits there in that, in that mire, the Bible said, he came to himself and said this, I will arise and go to my father's house. Now, this is the point I want, to, I want to make. He said, per adventure, maybe, just maybe, dad will let me come home as a servant. He got up out of that mire and made his way back to the father's house with the belief that maybe, just maybe, hoping against all hope that dad might let me be a servant. And when he gets there, the father is watching sees him from a distance, runs to him, kisses him, embraces him. And when the son says, can I be a servant? He said, get out of town. Are you kidding me? You're not my servant. You're my son. You know what that tells me? 
That tells me that the reason the prodigal left is because he never understood the thoughts of the father to begin with. And there are a lot of people who have left the truth who never truly knew the thoughts of God. <sighs> because once you do, you don't want to be anywhere with anybody else. You just want to be in his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I just want to be in his presence. I want to hear his thoughts. I want to hear his thoughts. I want to see his mind. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to see his, his thoughts toward me. Oh, God. I want to write a book about all the times, the landmark moments where God just spoke to me because they were truly moments that changed my life. Where I heard his still, small voice, so still and so small that my carnal mind would never be able to perceive it or hear it or know it existed. But I've heard him say, I've heard him say things like, you don't have to worry about what to do next. I'll tell you what to do next. Simple, I know. But it helped me to take steps of faith because I knew his thoughts. He won't leave me hanging. He'll show me what to do next. And I can walk with confidence in the ways of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Ghost right now just begin to minister to you and to your family and reveal to you the things your eyes cannot see and your ears cannot hear. Hallelujah. I wonder if in this house there are people who could lift their hands unto God and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill this atmosphere. Come on, can you do that right now? Can you do that right now? I want to tell you something that God wants to so give you knowledge and understanding. I'm going to tell you, that knowledge will anchor you when your feelings are everywhere. That understanding will substantiate your walk with God when your emotions are out of control. Oh, but God, help me right now. Help me to hear your thoughts for me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give an expected end. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our praise unto God right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to take a moment right now. I'm opening these, I'm opening these altars right now. God is what To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit. You are welcome. Come flood this place. place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your
Some of you are facing some things right now. Some of you are facing some things right now. You need resolution. You need peace. You need comfort. You need to know what God thinks. I said you need to know what God thinks. You know what you think. You know what your friends think. You know your family thinks. You need to know what God thinks. I want us to open our hearts and our minds right now for the Holy Ghost to move. Move, Lord, till the light shines. Move, Lord, till there is light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Move, Lord, till there is revelation. Move, Lord, till you have enlightened my spirit to know how you feel. Oh, God. Let your spirit move right now. Let your spirit move right now. Oh, Come on, that's it. Let the Spirit of God move. Let the Spirit of God move right now. Hallelujah. Let the Spirit of God move in this place. Let the Spirit of God move in this place. Hallelujah.